Hello and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And so the Penguins just concluded their game, just as fresh off their win against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I won nothing overtime win thanks to Brian Russ. Uh, another goal for him, I believe he's now into double digits, uh, and we're already barely even in mid-December. And, and, you know, last year for Brian Rust, he was not even close to double digits at this time. I think he had only four goals around this time. I think it was one year ago today that he had that hat-trick game that broke out of his long slump, where I think he had one goal in 30 games start the season. A lot of it was bad luck, I would say, um, and other stuff, of course. And But, um, yeah, this was a game, folks, that um, if you, I tweeted this during the game. If you wanted to show someone um, hockey for the first time, and like maybe you have a girlfriend or something, and yeah, say, say, like I said, say you have a girlfriend, a family member, and you know you're gonna be like, you know what? Let's put the hockey game on. I want to show you with some of my favorite sports, and you showed them this game. Um, I think you'd be probably giving them an apology after watching this game. Uh, this is probably one of the most boring games I've watched in a long time. There was just nothing going on the, basically this entire time. The third period, it opened up maybe a little bit, but those first two periods, it was like, it was it was just a bunch of freaking, oh, it was just, it was a snooze test. That's what it really was. And um, the Penguins early on, they did get a three-on-one. I think it was like Gensel with Rust and Bluger, but um, there's a save there. Teddy Bluger had so, uh, a couple other chances in the period that Corpusalo saved. Teddy Bluger probably honestly could have had a hat trick in this game. Um, in the third period, he had a breakaway uh, when the game was opening up just a little bit, but he shot wide of the net. He was all over the ice, just flying around. Um, I felt pretty bad that he didn't get a goal because he definitely deserved at least uh, one, but maybe even two. I mean, like I said, he could have had a hat trick in this game um, if Corpusalo uh, wasn't standing on his head. But. Um, well, yeah, let's just start, I guess, with the um, the overtime winner. Um, so the Penguins got a power play um, in overtime thanks to Crystal Tang being all over the ice. Um, hey, Pens- Penguins Chronicles, uh, that was an awesome game from Crystal Tang because, oh, yeah, he has an awesome game almost every game he plays. And it's almost as if, yeah, um, he's allowed to have an off game sometimes. And that's how a lot of elite defensemen go. Just an absolutely outstanding game from Crystal Tang. Um, the big bounce back from last game where he was – you know, just turning the puck over just a little bit, a little bit too much, and just a little out of out of sorts a little bit. But tonight, all over the ice, good in the defensive zone. Um, he did get beat on a breakaway, but I thought Bjorkstrand had did a nice job sh- uh, shielding the puck from him. Um, and then, of course, Tristan Jari made an outstanding save. But Latang flying on the ice in overtime, had a really good chance that was saved by Corpusalo. And then, as he was driving to the net, he kind of got slashed. And that drew the power play, so the Penguins got the power play. It was looking pretty bad at the start of the first half of it, but then um, on a kind of a broken play, th- th- this is why this sport is just so funny to me. Um, it, Latang kind of whiffs on the shot, but it like goes towards the net. And then right as F. Jones is about to clear it, Russ lifts his stick and then pokes the uh, puck uh, backhand, um, backhands the puck short, um, blocker side, five hole on Corpusalo. And to win the game with about two about two minutes left in the overtime, just a little less than two minutes left. And the Penguins got to go home happy on ugly sweater night. Um, also, if you guys didn't see Bob Aries' outstanding ugly sweater of Jake Gensel's face, please go do so. I think it's on the 18T Sportsnet's page. Um, really, it was just, it was absolutely hysterical <laughs> just to watch. I mean, just to see it. And then the interview was funny. But, uh, 
Yeah, Brian Rush is another, you know, ho-hum for him. You know, he's he's been absolutely great this year. Um, he's been one of their best players. He does, he does everything you ask him to, basically. And, you know, uh, uh, for a team that was shorthanded even more tonight, I, 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 don't, I don't know why I didn't mention uh, that Evgeny Malkin was sick for this game. He was, out, was out with his game for Nils. That's why Joseph Blandisi was recalled on an emergency basis this morning. It looked like maybe a potential trade. But, nope, it was just because Malkin was sick that Mike Sullivan announced. But, um, yeah, I mean, B- Brian Russ, I mean, he's just – as Jesse Marshall basically explained on Twitter, he's, he's basically a verifiable giant um, offensively. Um, he's doing all this, you know, without playing on Crosby's line. He did all this without playing on Malkin's line at times. He's just, he's he's the complete package if you look for a, a, just one of those players. And, you know, he's he's been that way ever since he came out with the Penguins. It just took a matter of, you know, putting it all together, not going on these long lulls of not scoring after like 20 games, 30 games, you know, he's finally, he's putting it all together this season. And it's just been great to watch. Um, he, he's been red hot. Um, I know he went a few couple games without scoring a goal, but you know what? That's part of the regression as a goal scorer. But um, he, he may start to heat up again, folks. But um, everything about that overtime winner, that was just that was just peak hockey. Uh, you know, you knew that this game was going to be decided by like a fluky bounce, a fluky play. And, you know, none other than, of course, Kusatang kind of whiffing on the puck. It just went towards the net. And then, of course, Brian Russ just lifting um, Seth Jones' stick to backhand the puck five-hole past Corpusalo. And um, the one thing about Corpusalo, he had an outstanding game last night. I mean, last night, tonight. He was standing on his head the entire time. Uh, the Penguins were getting some really good looks on him. And uh, But, you know, it also could be the same for Tristan Jari, who, I mean, wow. Uh, I don't really... Know what else to say about Tristan Jari at this point, folks? That is three shutouts in his last four starts. And um, as the sample gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, we could be potentially saying that this may not be a fluke and that, you know, this could, you know, be the norm that, hey, this guy is a pretty freaking good goaltender. You know, like I, I've said it so many times, it's early. Um, you, you never know what's what can happen with goalies. A lot of it is voodoo. You know, they could regress at any time. But, I mean, you know, just keep riding that hot hand. You know, I, mean, I thought it – I mean, I wasn't really too surprised that Sullivan went back to Jari after he struggled just a little bit against Montreal, though I don't really don't think a lot of those goals were his fault. I think the Penguins' poorest defensive coverage. But um, tonight he was absolutely rock, rock solid. Um, seeing everything. Had a couple monster saves. The one on um, Borkstrand, he got past Latang. Um, Dubois had a breakaway. I think he stopped – at least, I mean, I know it was at least two breakaways. I think it was around three to four breakaways in this game. Uh, he, like he was seeing the puck, even though there, there was a screen in front. Uh, a really underrated play from Jari. Actually, I think this may have actually won them the game in overtime. He came out; it was almost as close to the blue line, and he got the puck up lights. Only allowed one Columbus uh, penalty killer to change on the four-on-three power play. And the others had to stay on the ice because they were so gassed. I think Seth Jones was absolutely gassed towards the end of that because he couldn't get off the ice, and neither could the other player. And I think, was it Ryan Murray was the only one that was able to get off, or was he still, it was on, I'll have to go double back and check. But still, um, his his puck handling is top-notch. I think he's probably, of all the goalies I've probably watched in the league, he's probably up there as one of the better puck, uh, puck movers behind the net. I remember, of course, you guys know, we would always have a stroke if Mark Andre Fleury would come out of the net and play the puck because he's had so many problems before with it, you know, with the puck hopping over his stick and him trying to be too cute playing the puck. But um, 
yeah, just another outstanding game for him. I think he's going to get the start against Los Angeles, so you could go to Murray because the Kings are so bad. But, um, yeah, ho-hum basically with uh, Tristan Jari. And the Penguins were able to get to 18-10-4 and 10 and, 4, and for the time being third place in the Metropolitan Division um, f- for this game. So another thing I guess I wanted to discuss, I think, for this game, uh, the officiating. You know, there's there's one thing I always hate in these tight games. You know, I, I know the people say, well, you know, let them play, man. You know, let them play. Well, no, no, need to call penalties. It's such a tight game. It can cost them the game. Well, I mean, no. if a penalty is happening, you call it. I don't care if the score is 7 nothing. I don't care if the score is 5-3. to I don't care if the score is 4-2. to I don't care if the score is one nothing or and if there's no score tonight. You call a penalty no matter what. I don't care, like I said, I don't care what the score is. And there was a lot of instances in that third period where the, um, it, it was, I think, both teams, too. There were a couple of the Penguins were getting away with a little bit of interference. But towards the end of that period, it, it, it was basically like prison rules out there that Columbus was getting away with you know, interference. There were some tripping minors that were going uncalled. And it's like, I mean, if you're not going to call those, like, why'd you call the one in overtime when the stakes are basically even higher where it's sudden death, except if it goes to a shootout almost. I mean, I just, that doesn't really make any sense to me, I guess. Uh, but, you know, Danchel's officiating has always just been so inconsistent. And, you know, everyone says, oh, Wes McCauley's the best ref in the NHL, you know, especially with his uh, his uh, penalty calls in the All-Star game where he's so, um, he gets really mic'd up about it. He gets really, like, amped. But, um, you know, he, you know what? Newsflash, everyone, they all stink. Uh, it's not as bad as NFL refs with some of their calls, especially with pass interference. I could literally do a whole Locked On Penguins podcast episode about pass interference. Maybe I will do that sometime and just roast the NFL for their awful officiating. But um, yeah, the Angels is not too much better. And uh, that's just that's just something that really grinds my gears um, every time I see it. I don't care which team it is. There's no favoritism or anything. It's just the NHL's officials' a refusal to just like – not call penalties because, oh, the game is so tight. Um, I don't know what it is, but you know what? I just want to get that off my chest. That just really pisses me off um, when I see it for both teams. And it's not just for the Penguins. It's for any game, like I said. Um, but another thing to come out of this game, I thought the Penguins um, were absolutely outstanding defensively. Um, the Cam- I think Columbus only had 17 shots on net for the entire game. Um, that's uh, it's not often when you hold a team under 20 shots for 60 minutes or over 60 minutes. Um, it, it's really it's not often, but the Penguins were able to do it. They were very stout defensively. Um, I know Columbus had a few breakaways, um, especially early in the third period. I know with Dubois, with Bork Bjorkstrand. Um, and Jari stopped those. But other than that, those few breakaways, the Penguins were absolutely outstanding defensively. Uh, they were limiting Columbus to the outside. They were barely, they were limiting their chances even with getting into their own zone. Um, they, they were blocking shots. Um, those first two periods, it was like Columbus barely had any scoring chances. Uh, I think going into the third period, the high danger chances, I think I read it uh, going in, were about 5-1 to one Pittsburgh. But then it was 7-5 because a lot of the Columbus's high danger chances came in the third period when the game started to open up just a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, just give credit to the Penguins' defense. Um, they were really they were shorthanded again with another forward being out with Evgeny Malkin. But um, they, they did quite their job. you got to give a lot of credit to this defensive crew, who, of course, are still missing Brian Dumoulin, who will be out for still about another um, still two months now with that, um, with that injury to his ankle. 
Um, just, yeah, just a lot of credit to the Penguins defense and, of course, Tristan Jari for bailing them out a couple times with those saves on the um, breakaways. Let's see here. What else came of this game? Um, another strong game, I think, for Brandon Tanev. He was um, all over the ice again. Um, you know, stop me if you guys have heard this before, but Tanev drew another penalty in this game. Um, uh, you know, it's, he, he still looks like he's on the record to, like, break the Penguins record for drawing the most penalties in a season or something like that. I'm going to have to go look up the, the stat for um, the most penalties drawn by a Penguin. But, man, that pace early on in the season looked like he was about to break it. But, you know, he's still doing those things. He, he's still being fast, tenacious with the puck. He's still playing good on the PK. Um, you know, just another, you know, like, a, you know, another ho-hum for Brandon Tanev. Uh, another thing I wanted to uh, talk about as well, actually, was um, it was an underrated play. I think it was about five minutes left, less than five minutes left in the third period. Um, Columbus looked like they were breaking out on a two-on-one, um, potentially very, very dangerous situation. Um, they tried to pass, and John Marino was defending the two-on-one, went right off his stick uh, into the corner. Just an outstanding play defensively by him to get his stick in there, prevent the pass because it would have been a little mini breakaway for Columbus on dry, and who knows um, if he would have stopped it, though I would have liked his chances considering how he's been playing lately. But still, uh, this kid has just come a long way this season. Uh, just Another, it's just like I said, it's just another ho hum for him because he just keeps getting better and better. Uh, Greg Wajinski of ESPN actually wrote a great feature piece on John Marino. I believe it came out yesterday morning. Um, that just talked about you know like his, his his playing career, like how he's just come up to Pittsburgh and been like that steady defenseman, you know, from Harvard and at Edmonton and all that where he was traded. Um, if you guys have not read that, please go check it out. It's a really good piece uh, by Greg Wajinski. I retweeted it. On my Twitter, I'm sure other people on Penguins Twitter have as well. But um, I really like that play. Um, also tonight, it looks like, um, guys, uh, Zach Aston Reese is um, also continuing his very good defensively. Um, according to Jesse Marshall on Twitter, he controlled 90% of the expected goals in this game. Um, for those of you who don't, who don't know, that is very, very good. Uh, controlling 90% of the expected goals. At, uh, I mean, I know they didn't happen, but they could have happened. That's absolutely outstanding you know that just goes to show that you know he's playing at a very very high level right now um and you know he's also playing good defensively you know they can put him in any spot and you know he just he's got to keep playing like this if he's going to keep getting um roster time um Alex Galchenyuk I actually thought tonight that he actually had his best game of the year I mean it was one of them you know he was, he was actually looking pretty good out there he wasn't really making too many boneheaded mistakes Getting a lot of scoring chances. Like, the poor guy, man. I know he only has two goals, but, man, Corpusalo was just stoning him on all these chances. He had chances on the power play. He had chances even strength. It was just it was just almost like every time he came on the ice, he, he was getting chances tonight. And I, I just I felt bad because um, he wasn't really capitalizing on uh, these chances at all. And um, like I said, I, I, just, I thought this was one of his – uh, better, better games for the Penguins. Um, I know he's been really struggling a lot lately, and of course he's, his name has come up in trade talks, and rightfully so considering his performance this year has been subpar at best. I think that's a nice way to put it. Um, but yeah, who else am I forgetting uh, for this performance? Um, uh, Jake Gensel, he was uh, promoted to first-line center tonight with Evgeny Malkin out. They moved him to center since he usually plays wing. Uh, I thought Gensel really didn't look out of place there. I think it's one of his – I think I think his center is his natural position he's played before he came to the Penguins. So, like I said, he didn't really look out of uh, 
sorts at all. He was uh, good scoring chances. He was getting close, potentially burying his 18th goal of the season, which would still be a team high. Um, he's on pace for 43 goals right now. Uh, uh, you know, another ho-hum. I'm just going to keep saying that, you know, this this episode. You know, another ho-hum game from Jake Gensel. Just very good. I thought Jared McCann was getting some chances. A lot of them uh, he had blocked. The Columbus was doing a good job getting it into lanes and um, blocking some shots. Um, and, and also I want to say about blocking shots, um, I think the Penguins did a really good job of blocking some shots. Um, you know, you know, even though when Columbus would get a little bit of his own time, the Penguins were always had a body in front to block it before it got to Jari. So um, props to that. And I thought this was just a really good performance by the Penguins, all things considered. Um, you know, just you know, I don't really think a lot of people expected them to get the win, especially without uh, both Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin out of the lineup. But uh, there was an interesting stat before the game, um, according to Bob Grove. Um, apparently, without Crosby and Malkin um, in the lineup, um, I'm trying to find this stat right now. I love how I can just uh, scroll scroll his Twitter. So when playing at home without Crosby and Malkin, they're 14 and 6 and 2. Uh, they're six one and they were six and one and one in the last day. Now so now make it seven and one and one in the last nine home games without Crosby and Malkin. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, so in, in so here's the overall stat. In fifty on time regular season games played without Sid and Gino, they're twenty nine and fifteen and six. And in their last twenty games, now it'll be twenty one. They're fifteen and four and two. How is this possible? How is this possible? I, I don't understand how the team is that good without their two superstar centers out, but um, it's pretty crazy. I would expect Evgeny Malkin to be ready to play on Saturday. I might, I'd hope his sickness would be away by then, but, you know, just a really good performance, um, all things considered. I think uh, lastly for this last segment, I want to talk a little bit about um, – um, just about like the um the, the all-time series with the Jackets and the Penguins. Um, whenever these two teams play, it always it's basically like you know it's it's like the it's I've always compared it to like the Steelers and the Bengals, and of course it's a Pittsburgh and an Ohio team, but it's Big Brother basically versus Little Brother, and like the Bengals, you know they consider the Steelers their top rival. Nothing ever tops that. The Steelers really don't consider the Bengals their top rival. Obviously, that's the Ravens, but um it, the, the Blue Jackets consider the Penguins, you know, their big rival. You know, everything involves being the Penguins. And, of course, the Penguins, they have about maybe three or four other teams that are bigger rivals than them. And, you know, this game is just another case of, you know, big brother beats little brother. And going into this game, actually, in Pittsburgh, the Jackets were 0-5-3 in their last um, eight games in Pittsburgh. So now it is 0-5-4 in their last nine games. Um so all in all time in this city, according to Aaron Portsline, the Jackets were four and thirteen and three going into this game. So now they are four and thirteen and four. So in all time, both rings, so at PPG Paints Arena and Mellon Arena, the old Igloo, they've lost seventeen of twenty-one games in Pittsburgh since um, coming coming into the uh, coming back to the NHL. Their last win actually in Pittsburgh, I remember this game, was two one November thirteenth, twenty fifteen. Now if I'm not mistaken. I think but Sergey Bobrovsky did not start that game. I think it was um it was the uh, their backup it was the backup that was um on Toronto for a very very long time. I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's going to come up at some point. I I have his name in the back of my head. I know who it is if someone just um, says it was not Corpus Allo or anything, but um, the Penguins, they were down 2 nothing in that game. They scored a late goal to make it 2-1, and then they pushed at the end, but they couldn't um, get the um, the win. But, um, yeah, so it's basically been 
four years, and it's going to go into 2020 that um, the Peng the Jackets have not beaten the Penguins um, in Pittsburgh. That's pretty crazy to consider. And you know they've lost 17 of 21 games in Pittsburgh, whether it's Mellon Arena or PG Paints Arena. And um, the Jackets, you know, I mean, a lot of people saw this coming with them. A lot of people really didn't think they were going to be good this year, obviously, because you know you lose Panarin, you lose Bobrovsky, you lose Duchesne, you lose Dzingle. Um, you know, I mean, of course, you know, Brandon Saad's not there anymore. Um, you know, and their best player is just Cam Atkinson. There's just not a lot of high-end talent in Columbus. I love Seth Jones. I think he's awesome. I, I love Zach Rensky was on the ice, but he's he did not play tonight. I actually um, forgot that he was out of the lineup uh, when I was previewing this game yesterday on the podcast, which is um, unfortunate. I should have um, did that. But, um, it, yeah, it's just I'm not really sure what their plan is moving forward. I mean, I know they have Nick Foligno, Josh Anderson, uh, Brandon Dubinsky's hurt. Um, it's just they have a lot of young guys in there. I don't really trust their goaltending. I mean, and I think they're still now. I think they're still about ten points out of the playoff spot. Nine, ten points out. I mean, we we know they're not making it in this year. But like I said, I really don't know what their plan is. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't think really think John Torello is going to get fired or anything, considering he just won the team's first playoff series this past year um, against the juggernaut that was in hit Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, he'll be he'll be there definitely going into next season. They're not gonna can him, but um, yeah, I'm just I'm not really sure what their plan is moving forward. But um, and apparently tonight they're um, they it was a long time after the game. Their dressing room had not opened up, so it looks like they were having a team meeting after the game, as they've now lost five out of six. And uh, the Jackets they're just not playing good hockey right now. Um, I know they've gotten some loser points, but overall they just keep losing games. But you know even after they crushed Washington five to two. In D.C., you know, they lay another egg after laying a few eggs before the Washington game. And it's just, uh, it's tough sledding going on right now in Columbus. Um, there's just, you know, they need that, they need that Panarin type player back. A guy that, a superstar player that can, you know, win them a playoff series, get them back to the playoffs. Because right now, folks, they're not, they're not getting into the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I figured that'd be a good way to wrap it up. Just to, you know, talk about them, some of the history of the Penguins Blue Jackets and, you know, why... You know, I mean, it's basically behind, you know, the Rangers, like the Capitals, the Flyers. Hell, I put the Bruins. I put the Islanders. I probably put at least five teams um, over the Blue Jackets as a main rival um, to the Penguins. But um, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Locked on Penguins. We'll have another one coming tomorrow. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do for it yet. I don't really think we need to preview a game against the Los Angeles Kings. We already know too much about them. Though um, I may talk about Drew Doughty a little bit and why he's such a baby towards Matthew Kachuk. I don't really know what his problem is with um, why he gets so mad over what Matthew Kachuk says. It's like he has like rent-free real estate. It's basically like Tom, it's like someone it's like Tom Wilson living in Jim Rutherford's head when he was trading for Eric Branson and all that crap. Except like it's a player living inside this player's head. I just I find that really funny. But um, like I said, guys, thank you guys so much for listening um, to this episode of Locked On Penguins, and we'll talk to you guys soon.